what do you actually have to lose? Write it out like I have my pride. I have $100 in the bank and I can't lose it all. Okay, well, $50. You know, write that out, what you have to lose if you take that step. And for me, what I had to lose was the building. And it was worse what I had to lose than what I had to potentially lose if I didn't try. I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is The Rise Podcast. First of all, I'm so thrilled that you came to Austin because I never get to actually talk to someone face-to-face. Yeah, no, I'm a face-to-face person, so I had to, she's like, can I come? Yes. Yes. Okay, I'm there. That's amazing. I'm coming out. Yeah. I have admired your company for so many years. I've used you as an example in teaching so many times. I just feel like you really get your brand. But for people who have never met you before, aren't familiar, will you tell us, tell us your story, tell us who you are and how you got here. Sure. So my name is Alicia Schaefer, and I am the founder of Three Bird Nest which started out as a women's accessories company on Etsy, and then we grew to an entire online boutique. But my main focus, like you mentioned, brand, is always inspiring our customers to just be better um, in everything they do. And if that's through clothing or being more confident in what they're wearing, that's really been the essence of the brand for me. And everything comes back to that is making sure our customers happy and that's kind of the full circle. So Three Burness came out of ironically a failed business, which I think is a lot of people don't know is it's not my first venture. It was not my first business that I started. So um, my first business I've had probably similar to you, you know, since I was a kid, I'm like a hustler. I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm going to make money. I want a hamster. I'm selling abalone <laughs> shells. And, but like, actually, so that was one of the funny stories is, uh, I had a hamster that I wanted. My dad said, oh, yeah, you can get it, but you have to earn the money and make the money to get the hamster cage and to get the hamster and the feed. And so I am I think I was like eight at the time. I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I went in our backyard. My um, uncle was a total hippie. So we had all these abalone shells from him going diving. So I washed them off. And I vividly remember this. And I don't know why because it was so long ago. So I went out in hung them by bungee cords on one of those, you know, those moving dollies. Yeah. I went door to door and sold them. So I came home and had the money. So I went and my dad took me, went and got hamsters. And then my hamster ended up being pregnant. So I had babies. (laughs) And then I was able to sell the babies back to the pet store for money. Wow. So then at that age, I'm like, okay, I can make money. Yeah. Me. Like, I don't have to wait for somebody to make money. I can do it. So I will set the tone for literally the rest of my life and what I want to do. I was talking to my 12-year-old about this the other day. I said, you know, buddy, by the time I was your age, my thing was babysitting. I read the Babysitter's Club's book. Right? Like that. I was like, oh, these girls are on. I'm going to do it. Yes. And I made a lot of money as a babysitter. And I was thinking like, man, you're 12. You're old at this point. Where's your your little side hustle, bro? 
brother, but he was like, "Did I'm you have a good. book at your church oh, of, of like the babysitters?" Yes, and yours was probably color yes, with and your you could yes, get it, yep. with photos. Mm-hmm. Same. You I had can, a whole yep. page. <laughs> like, oh, you can put like a card in them. Well, no, I'm taking yeah. the whole page and yep. you know put making it. Yeah, you got to do that brand. I know. So, what was then the business that came before this one? That so failed? the business that came before Three Bird Nest was a baby products company called the Peanut Shell. Okay, and my first son was born in 2004, and after I had him. It was a baby carrier. And so it started with just a bed sheet and I wanted just a cute sling. And at the time there was just the big ring slings and there wasn't the cute ones like there are now. Yeah. It was legit tie dye. Yeah. You know, not, super, you know, uncomfortable fabric. So I just wanted something soft that I could, you know, walk around in. So I started with a bed sheet and then I went and bought some micro fleece and had a, one sewn up for me. And then it kind of started from there. And this was, you know, pre real internet days. So this was, literally started at mom's groups and had a couple more made and found a seamstress that was local. And it was an interesting story. She was charging me, I think it was like $15 just to cut and sew the slings. And so we had a, a pocket on the front. And so I would put a business card in the pocket because if the mom's out walking around with the sling, I wanted to, again, promote. Mm-hmm. And so if, she, you know, she has a friend who says, hey, you know, that's a cute sling. Here's a card. Yeah. So I work again, like set yourself up for success from day one. Yeah. And there was a couple that had issues with them. So I took them back to the lady, had her resew them. Then I get this phone call and it's from a lady who says, hey, I don't know if you know, but the gal you're taking these slings to isn't the one who's actually sewing them. (gasps) No. She's paying my mother-in-law to sew them, and she's paying her a dollar. No. Yes, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And so I said, you've got to be joking me. So anyway, so that started a whole new growth, and I hired this lady and started paying her what I was paying the other lady and really allowed her to provide for her family. Yeah. So that was, for me, was really a great start to the business, so... My youngest son's name, uh, my oldest son at this point, um, my oldest son's name was um, Peanut. That was like our nickname for him. Mm-hmm. So he was in a shell, Peanut Shells. Yeah. It just was natural. So that business grew. Um, we ended up being carried like Target and Babies R Us. Wow. And um, it was the business where I was too confident. Mm, interesting. I had... Um, very good. I was very successful. I, um, you know, we were featured in a lot, you know, a lot of magazines and did some TVs, but it wasn't looking back humbling. I was not humble Mm. at all. So being the first time true, you know, having a lot of money coming in, I wasn't watching my gross profit. I wasn't watching them, you know, the margin. Do you have a $50,000 check coming in? Cool. I have $50,000 to spend. No, you don't. (laughs) So, you know, really figuring out, how much everything cost, I didn't do. Mm-hmm. And looking back, you can only know, you know, what you know. Absolutely. And so it was really, a, you know, really, you know, school of hard knocks, a mm-hmm. business college, you know, learning yeah. it as you go. So long story short, we got into production. Um, we had a manufacturer that was overseas that was doing all of our production for us. Babies R Us, um, we did a contract with them and we did a private cut for them. And which means we exclusively had to sell the product to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2008, 2009, economy starting going down. A baby, it wasn't our sling and it wasn't in the same style, but a baby had died in the sling because oh, it was no. suffocated. They had oh, suffocated. No. It was awful. Oh, so no. they issued, just the government issued, you have to be careful on baby slings. So babies are pulled. Oh, 
We had $850,000 of inventory. Oh, my gosh. Sitting on it. We couldn't sell it. Wow. So we couldn't sell it. We There was nothing we could do because we couldn't even discount it. There was, there was no nothing buy, we yeah. could do because contractually it wasn't our pattern. They owned it. And so we had done this private production. They weren't going to sell. They pulled all slings from their line at that time. We're sitting with $850,000, which means that's our cost of inventory. Yes. Which means that we owed that to our uh, manufacturers and we had an inventory warehouse. We had a 3PL, which is third party mm-hmm. logistics company that um, did all of our shipping for us. So bills were astronomical and everything stopped. Wow. Like black stopped death within a matter of two weeks. And it was a extremely, extremely humbling experience. Um, we... At the time, my husband was still working full-time, thankfully. Um, I was pregnant with our third, and we were in a house that was way more than we could afford, and things kind of just started falling apart. So we were, what are we going to, like, literally, what are we going to do? Yeah. And, you know, my husband and I have always been the type where you don't sit down and fail. You have an option and this is with everything in life you either suck it up pull up your bootstraps and make it happen and you don't even have to know what that's going to be you just have to make it happen and figure it out Mm -hmm. um or you give up yeah and so we were not going to give up and this is 2008 2009 when everybody's losing everything Everything. but everybody was okay like oh you know we're going to short sell our house or we're going to and i get you know a lot of that was you had to do that but we had so many things that were, um, like, I can't lose my house. Where yeah. are we going to go? Because yeah. we're not going to be able to get a loan yeah. because we have almost a million dollars in debt Yes, and no one's going to loan us anything. I no longer have a company, so we're not going to be able to get any house in the Bay Area yeah. off of his salary, even though he made a lot. And, yeah. you know, our credit was going to start taking hits now because we weren't able to pay for stuff. And then the lawsuits start coming in. Yes. And you're, you can't sleep. And it's just this massive cycle. So what ended up happening was when all this started happening, the first thing was, which was totally 100% God, we had a knock on our door. And it was a realtor. And he said, I have somebody who wants to buy your house. Well, our house isn't for sale. Yeah. And um, I still get chills like thinking of it. And um, he's like, well, it's the only house in downtown and it has place to park their RV. So they want to buy your house. I said, well, you know, make us an offer. Well, nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. Uh, nobody knew that we were about ready to lose everything. Nobody yeah. knew I was even pregnant with our third. Wow. And all of this was, you know, going down. And they offered us this way more than market value, cash. Wow. We closed in 10 days. Oh, my god. They let us stay. And that was the first thing that started checking off that risk list for us. How are we going to pull ourselves out of this? What are the things that we can do? you know, start from the biggest things that we have and what are the things that we can do along that way to really work towards the rest of our lives? Yeah. Like, how are we going to overcome this? And the house was one. We had a month to buy another house before we knew that the credit was going to hit and how, like, literally, like, we have how a month. Crazy. We have to go find a house. We've got to buy it. We've got to put it for the loan because as soon as the credit hits, no one's going to know. I still yeah. have P&Ls to show that yes. we have a business yeah. and we can make it happen. Yeah. So we did. So we found a house. We bought it. We got in. 
And then we kind of just started working on the debt. Yeah. So some of the debt we had to settle. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot um, saved up because, again, everything was going back into the business. And when you think money's going to keep coming and rolling in, there was absolutely no risk management plan. Yeah. And everything that was coming in was um, my husband's salary at that point. So we had a list of debt and we owned a building in the downtown. It was vacant. So we said, what are we going to do? We are going to lose the building or we have to make something happen with that building to turn a profit. So my husband can build anything. Like he can make anything. So we put our heads together. He's like, you love fashion. You love clothes. I can build anything. Let's do a store. Sure. It's 2000, like almost 10 (laughs) at this point. It's a great time. There's no stores in downtown Pleasanton. Everyone's, you know, shutting doors. No businesses are opening, but we had to. It, the worst case that could happen was it failed. Yeah. And at that point, like having another failure wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. So I want to I want to unpack that for one second yeah. because I think so many of the listeners mm-hmm. really struggle with this fear mm-hmm. of failure. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something so amazing. Like you have just walked through a, a massive, oh, yes. not your fault, but massive failure. Right. And you're like, oh, the worst thing that can happen mm-hmm. is that I fail again. What do you think that is that gives you, because many people would be like, right. I am never experiencing oh, sure. this again. You know, and I definitely had that I never want to have a business again because I can't do this to my family again. Mm. I definitely had that. But on the flip side, what do I have to lose? Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing is a lot of people, I think, are afraid to take that next step because of that, because they're worried about the failure. They're afraid to take the next step because they don't want to fail. But I look at it as what if you don't? And what do you have to lose? Like, actually, what do you have to lose if you try? Yeah. And tangible, like, not just as a concept, but when you sit down and really write everything out. Like I brought my journal, like I bring stuff Mm -hmm. with me everywhere I go. And um, what do you actually have to lose? Write it out. Like I have my pride. I have a hundred dollars in the bank and I can't lose it all. Okay. Well, $50, Mm -hmm. you know, write that out what you have to lose if you take that step. And for me, what I had to lose was the building. Yeah. And it was worse what I had to lose Mm -hmm. than what I had to potentially lose if I didn't try. Yeah. And think that was for me, And that has really been one of the biggest things that has kept propelling me to take that next step is more along the lines of what do I have to lose if I don't? Yeah. And that has been critical in failures and successes that I've had. And my successes are all people might see, but they only come because of all the failures I've had. Yes. Preach. And love that. That is so profound in the success of everything I do Mm -hmm. because when we opened the store in 2010 the neighborhood and friends what came in and just shopped and started supporting it we started breaking even within a month wow we opened it with three thousand dollars because that's all we had we Mm -hmm. went to salvage yards we went to like you know wood farms and took scraps of metal and wood to build the fixtures for the store our um, counter was this old bar that smelled like old alcohol (laughs) that you know we we whitewashed and painted and my husband would come home from work and you know he'd be at work all day and he's a fireman and then at 
you know, after dinner and everything at eight o'clock, he'd go to the store until 4 a.m. Mm. and build out the store because we had to. Yeah. And that's the other thing is you have to be willing to take that risk, but you also have to be willing to work for it. Yeah. And that's a huge thing of what are you, how hard are you actually willing to, willing to put it and yeah. does that measure up with what you want your success to be absolutely and if they're out of line then you either have to be realistic with what you want your goals to be or you have to adjust how much you're going to put into it yeah so the store started doing better and was the um, store three bird nest no the oh, store okay. was called prim okay and it was i wanted kind of like a throwback name and so it was prim and proper yeah. and it just it just sounded cute yeah so I tried to keep everything affordable and it was just cute clothes and it was a great place for a lot of the moms in the neighborhood to come and shop and um it started doing really well and again you have kids you understand that if someone called them sick I would have my one-year-old and two-year-old yep. in the store and we were yep. open from 10 to 2 yeah because guess what I had to take my oldest to school and I had to be able to pick them up at 2 30 so when people would come into the store, I would literally would just say, I'm sorry, my kids are here. Just I'll make your shopping experience as pleasant <laughs> yeah. as possible. But when you see this two and one-year-old running around, you have to... You make it work. Also, you have to make it yeah. work. And looking back, though, it's so funny because it just, it worked. I had to make it work. Yeah. So we started kind of slowly climbing out of that massive debt that we had. Um, and then at the store is where I wanted to start something else. I knew that this, I didn't want to have an online presence for the store itself because I had this inkling in the back of my mind that maybe I will do another online company. Maybe I will take that next step of really trying to grow an, another brand. And um, the lady that used to sew for me for all my sling, she was out of work now too. Mm. And I felt bad because she has five kids. And I reached out to her and said, hey, do you want some more work? She said, yes. So we, you know, put our heads together and she started making headbands for the store. Yeah. And that was where Three Bird Nest really started. Mm -hmm. and, I remember, um, gosh, yeah. so long ago when so I was a blogger, ago. I remember like yeah. my intern yeah. bringing me the headbands and being yes. like, look at this company. Their stuff is so cute. I remember that ages yeah. ago. And I would take all the photos diagonally <laughs> with like this super saturated filter. Yeah. But again, you do at work. So it didn't have a name. I just had headbands in the store. And they were selling really great. And I was like, you know what? What if I put just the headbands online? Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to do a website because this is when you had to have more hard coding. There wasn't Shopify or like yeah. some of these turnkey sites. And I was like, okay, Etsy. I can go to Etsy because they're all handmade and I'll turn to them. So I went in, registered, and I'm trying to think of a username. Every, I mean, it's like an email name. Like yeah. everything's taken, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so I have a tattoo on my forearm of three birds for my kids. So three birds in a nest. I'm like, da, 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 three bird nest. Cool. It's not taken. So there, that's my username. How and funny. that's really how the brand name came about. And it's funny because hindsight, I probably would have named it something different mm. just because I would have tried to think of something cheeky or, yeah. I don't know, something that seemed a little bit more I don't know that went along with what we were trying to do but yeah. it's been perfect yeah and so that was really the inception and really where the brand started and that started um growing I focused on I kind of put everything that I knew that had worked for me before into action on photography on um you know keywords on you know looking at your competition and shopping 
Etsy as if you were a shopper. I think that was the biggest thing mm. that I even tell people that reach out to me this day is shop it like you were one of your customers and what photo would you click on? Because you have a one and a half, I think it's one and a half by one and a half yep. to show. You don't even have words. You yeah. have a little tiny square and if the square next to yours looks better, they're going to click on the one next to you. So you need to look better yep. than any other square. Yes. And it's all you need. It doesn't matter what's the rest so of it. Good. The little tiny square is like what you what you need to focus on. So that's what I did. And looking back, like some of the photos, like I probably would change. But again, yeah. it was taking everything that I had failed at, the things that I had succeeded at, and meshing those together and making them work. And the biggest thing that came out of the failure of the previous company I had was the humbling experience and the appreciation that someone earned a dollar and is spending that dollar with me. To this day, I, I am so thankful and so like over the moon every single time somebody places an order. I am so grateful because yeah. guess what? I've lost everything. Mm -hmm. I've been there where I've lost everything. I've been there where some of our customers who are have $20 to buy an outfit of the week and that's all they have and they want to look cute. I've been there. Mm -hmm. And so I don't take for granted any, any cent that a customer spends with us for, and I will, I don't think that will ever change. Yeah. Can I ask, I, I want listeners to understand, because mm -hmm. you, uh, you are humble and you are being humble about what this, just before you pulled it off and then it was your own right. e-commerce and all of that, right. can you explain the meteoric rise of your Etsy shop? Because mm -hmm. it got to a place where it was pretty massive is my right. understanding. Right. So um, November 3rd of 2011 is when I sat down on my couch and came up with the username. I had um, product that I put up within the next week. And for based on the research and stuff I had done at the time, you would get maybe one or two sales a week. And again, that was fine because I'm in debt. Yeah, I, any like, additional $2. And I had fabric. So yeah. I had a gal that you know could sew for me and I couldn't pay her a lot anymore, but I still had fabric left over. I had the goods. I just needed to you know make something out of it. So... Um, Within a couple of weeks, I started getting orders and it's, you know, Etsy, if you have an app on the phone, every time you make an order, it's a cha-ching sound. Oh, yeah. And I could not, every time I heard it, I wanted to cry. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh. I, but I wanted to cry because I saw debt going down. Yeah. I saw us crossing off a line on this sheet that we had written in pink highlighter yes. of stuff that we needed to accomplish to get ourselves out of debt. Every single dollar made progress towards that goal. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars, but guess what? It wasn't going backwards. Yeah. So every single time that, that you know, it went cha-ching, it was like one more success. So yeah. within a couple of weeks, I had about 30 orders a week. That's awesome. And to me, I, I couldn't believe it. And again, it was before the holidays, so I kind of took it for granted and was writing it off that, oh, it's just Christmas gifts and it'll die down. Well, a couple of weeks before Christmas, it was 60 orders a week. And I remember crying because I, I can't not do this. Yeah. 
I have the store still. I still have three kids. My husband's still working full time. It's 2 a.m. and I'm trying to roll these headbands and package them <laughs> and figure it all out because I yeah. hadn't done um, we, we had a 3PL doing all of our shipping before. So I hadn't done any of the logistics for shipping product. So trying to figure that all out and how you print labels and how you make sure you weigh it, because if you just guesstimate, the customer may get, you know, have to pay additional on their end or you're overpaying. Yeah. So is that whole figuring it out as you go? And hopefully I'm not making as many mistakes, but starting to get 60 orders a week and I realized I needed help and got through the holiday. So that was fantastic and got everything to everybody. And then really January of 2012 is where I was like, you know what? Game on. I'm doing this. Like, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself and be oh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to commit to this. And, you know, I've had a failure before. And I was like, nope, game on, like 100%. So ever since that, it's been, you know, eye on the prize. And it's interesting because the one thing I did learn, not the one thing, the 1,001 <laughs> thing that I learned from the previous, from Phoenix Shell was have an exit strategy. Mm. And going in in January I told myself I had to know what my exit strategy was going to be. And that for me was um, selling the business. Mm. And, you know, we're selling the majority of it and, you know, really working towards what that was going to look like and then working backwards to making that kind of take place. And so that was what um, we started growing. So we added scarves and additional products to the Etsy shop. And that was really what I focused on. Can I, um, yeah. so, so two things that I think for those of you who are listening, mm-hmm. who have your own shop, they're mm-hmm. doing e-commerce, retail, whatever, that I think, you tell me if I'm wrong, yep. but I think because I was observing at the time that yeah. really made you stand out was one, you have a very distinct style mm-hmm. that maybe now we see more representation mm-hmm. of now, right. but I never saw anything like that back yeah. in the day. So can you talk a little bit about, was that instinct that you knew like, hey, other people are going to respond to this vibe or mm-hmm. I'm just going to be true to myself? Like what made you put something into the marketplace that was different than what everybody else was doing at right. the time? So what I looked at was a product that would appeal to a lot of people, including myself, but how would I, how would it appeal to me? Mm. And I wanted to make sure that my brand was a representative of me. I wanted to make sure that it was something that I enjoyed. I wanted it to be different and distinct. And I wanted every single thing that we did to people to know that that was my brand. And taking that step, even from photography or the model or you know, your language or your logo or the colors or the fonts and how you take your photos is so important because every single touch with your customer should be consistent. Mm -hmm. And it should be consistent from, you know, the font that you use in your email templates to the font that you use on any literature that goes out to your customer because if there's any inconsistency, it starts to cause confusion. Yeah. And for me, starting out, I knew I wanted to be a strong brand. I wanted it to be where I was proud of what I was putting out there. And I did not want to look at what anybody else was doing. Because that, for me, I am so squirrel-brained that I have to stay focused. Mm-hmm. And if I start 
worrying about what everybody else is doing or thinking or, you know, saying I should or shouldn't do, it starts affecting what I'm doing. Yeah. And I have to focus on what I'm doing. Otherwise, I won't make any progress. So with the brand and with Three Bird Nest, it was staying true to what I wanted the brand to be perceived as. Yeah. And every day, everything we were doing um, tried to kind of progress that. So it was really important to me that we stood out but we stood out organically. Yeah. And that was my key thing is I don't want to pay for um, subscribers. And this was still when you could buy yeah. like email yeah. lists. I don't want to pay for anybody. I want people to find us. I want people to know our story. I want people to know that they're important to me. I want people to come. I want them to love their product. I want them to enjoy it. But at the end of the day, I want my customer to be happy. And I want them to know that when they are buying something from me that they will be, they'll know that it's from me. And kind of that was the very kind of inception of it. And I went with what my personal style and my gut was telling me that I wanted to do, um, which was everything to me had to have a little something extra yeah like our headbands had to have a lace trim or you know they had to have a cool pattern or they had to be dual purpose or the scarves had to have lace and it was just I love I love texture and I love um, textiles and I'm very tactical and putting different patterns and fabrics together was really important to me and I couldn't look, I think, at what anybody else was doing. I had to look and stay true to what I wanted to do. And that was what my customers started responding to. But it's, but it's scary because what if I put it out there and no one likes it? Yeah. What if it's like, oh, I think this is super cute and everyone hates it. But guess what? You're never going to know unless you try. No, and you won't know. And, you know, that was one of the things that I think to this day that people still love is our connection with our customer there the other thing that I think you did that was so wise and I don't mm-hmm. know if this was intentional or this was just mm-hmm. was the model is she your sister she's my sister okay okay yes. quote unquote yeah. sister quote unquote but yeah. you use the yeah. same model yeah and everything and still today mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that back in the day when you were scrolling through yep. Etsy even if I wasn't looking on your page mm-hmm. I was oh there something new yep. from three bird like there it is yep. like so was that intentional was or you intentional. just like okay it, i wanted to be identifiable i think that's a huge thing is that you want if someone sees your image especially if you're selling a product and especially if you're online look at your and you know for everyone listening it's look at your website or look at your literature or whatever's going out to your customers even as a realtor i tell realtors this too is your products and your images should have your spin on it it should have something that you can identify with that is only yours. Yeah. And no one will be able to determine what that is except for you. But you have to be willing to take that risk to put that personal spin on it. But guess what? That's when things start taking off. Because yeah. that's when you're different. Yeah. You kind of step out from the norm. And it's scary. And it may not be immediate. But that was one of the things for me is having Alexa in all of the images was huge. And 
she worked for me at Prim. So that was how it all started Got because it. it kind of started out of convenience. So she worked there. We would close the store and we would run into the back of the store and it had like a little backyard and we would take all the photos back there. How funny. And there was a tree where there was birds that pooped. And it was like this <laughs> a hot mess. But again, you just make you, it work. You make it work. So you go into January. Yep. You're like, this. I'm doing it. And yep. then what happens from there? So it was, I was so driven to get out of the debt. I was so driven to have a brand that was going to surpass the debt. And that was really what my goal was, you know, was to get out of it. And I started adding more product, started adding more colors to each of the things and really listening to, I know you're huge on this too, is really listening to what my customer was saying. Like that is, it is such a downfall and I've done it before of this is what I want to do. Versus this is what my customer is telling me to do. Absolutely. Okay, well, when, when, whenever you go to this is what I want to do and your customer is telling you something else, your sales are going to fall. Yeah. Or your you know, your customer, your fans or whatever it is, they're just going to be like, well, this isn't what I want. So I started following what our customers were telling us that they wanted. Additional styles, additional products, adding jewelry and really growing that. So within a year, we were doing... I mean, we were selling hundreds um, per week. And 2000, it was 2012, 2013, 2014 was kind of the the big, you know, where we started getting um, recognized for being Etsy's top seller and the fastest growing Etsy shop. And, you know, and that came with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. That was, it was awful. You know? How so? And it was... It was awful because the community of itself um, let us have it as being a fraud because they said, oh, there's no way you can make and sell 3,000 headbands in a, in a week. Of course I can't. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> the, their criteria wasn't that. As long as we were designing it and yeah. having it made, yeah. but nobody cared about that. Yeah. It was all, there's no way she's making oh, all get these. Out of so here. so that, dumb. but it, it was, it was, it was ridiculous. But that was really where I realized we need to do our own thing. Yeah. We can't be reliant on, So the people on Etsy wanted it to be that you, like as the owner of the store, needed to be making it yourself. Come on, people, Mm -hmm. get out of here. People are just looking for anything. Yeah. And then, you know, all of our images were being stolen and used by the... by Chinese manufacturers, so then oh, people no. are like, "Oh, look at oh, they're no. they're just buying the stuff overseas." And, are you serious? <laughs> like, you you can't the backyard. Yeah, exactly. You can't. It's yeah. just the process of yeah. no. They're stealing our yeah. images. But anyhow, that was and and that was a very trying time. It was very challenging for me. Crazy. Um, I I was you know we were out in the media and we were like Good Morning America and doing all of these shows but it's like one of the things where you don't read your comments same with me yeah I stopped yeah I would be crying yeah and you want to defend yourself yeah. you want to say that's not what I meant by writing that yeah. or you know that's not what this isn't true and here's Etsy's you know guidelines and you know I employ all these people and there's not just me we have this great team how could I have grown without yeah. a team and that's yes. the one thing I think with even still to this day is that I'm still the face of the company mm-hmm. um but I couldn't have done this with no way. my husband. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's like my biggest cheerleader. Yeah. And, you know, all that you get, yeah. you get it. It's, of course. It takes an entire village and a half. Well, I think it's important. That's a, This is a really good topic for listeners as well is 
with success mm-hmm. comes haters. It just Ugh. is what it is. And there are people who say like, oh, you shouldn't, when you talk about it, it gives power to, no, it exists. Yeah. It 100% exists. And yeah. I don't care what anyone says. It's way worse for women in mm-hmm. business than it is for men. Yes. Because I get picked on all the time mm-hmm. for stuff that men in this business, nobody talks to them about. Yep. And by the way, it's other women mm-hmm. who are saying those things and making those comments. And it sucks. Yeah. But I also remind myself, like, this is the price of admission. Yeah. This is what it is. And and maybe, God willing, for our daughters, this won't be the case. Mm-hmm. Maybe it gets better mm-hmm. each generation. But right now, this is what it looks like. So I think if you are at home and you're listening to this and that's something you're dealing with, I guess there's just solidarity and understanding you're not alone. But if you allow them to, those people will, they'll stop you in your, like that distraction will keep you from being who you're meant to be and living into the potential that you have. Oh, and and you can attest this too. It is hard. Yes. It's not as if, you know, we're sitting here, oh yeah, we had people hating on us and we're totally fine. No, I would be sitting at my counter crying. Bawling. And bawling because how could people who don't know me, how could people who say all these awful things, Yes, but at the same time is it made me and my husband, it's one of those moments where I was sitting at the table at our counter and I had my computer, I was going through all these comments that people were just letting into me about, you know, all they have to say. And he looks at me, he comes over and he closes my computer and he goes, what are you doing? Yeah. And I said, I'm reading this. And he says, why? Yeah. Because I want to know why. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, you're sitting here crying and you're letting it affect you. How long? Have, and this is literally what he told me. How long have you been sitting here reading this for? Yeah. I said like an hour. And he goes, that's an hour that you could have put in growing your sales. Yes. That you're now sitting here and mentally you're letting them get to yes. you when they are going to continue to do what they're doing regardless of what you yes. do. Yes. So that for me was a point where I don't think you can ever say it doesn't affect you. And I don't think you can say, oh, I don't care. But I think the difference is you can care, but you can also, it's how you deal with it, Mm -hmm. right? If I'm going to care and let it affect me, feel like I have to defend myself, then that's an entirely different thing where I probably, you and I both have gotten to the point where it's hurtful and I care, but this is who I am and I'm growing and I'm the one that's kicking butt and go me. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think to me, it really has become you know, that old saying, like, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it. If I don't hear the negative comments, they don't exist. True. And my husband will try and, like, argue with me to death about this. But, like, no, Rachel, someone wrote a BuzzFeed article. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't read it. And so, therefore, I don't know. Yeah. Because I, the the crazy thing, and you tell me if, if this was different for you, it doesn't – at first I would freak out because I've built this company and there's all these people who work here. And if I'm not being a good leader or if someone's talking about me, does that hurt the company? Exactly. And the company is what makes it possible for them to pay rent. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my like mm-hmm. terror comes from. And then I realized, wait a minute, these random jerks on the internet – they're not affecting our business mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. because they're just being mean and the things that they're saying aren't really founded. Mm-hmm. So the business is still doing well. And if the business is still doing well, then we need to be focusing on what matters, not what seven random right. angry people on the internet want to say about me. Right. And I 5,000% agree with that. And that is the biggest thing is how is this affecting? Mm -hmm. Yes, personally, yeah, it hurts. But also, 
is my business going to tank because of, you know, Nancy in Louisiana yeah. <laughs> hates something about me? Yeah. You know, it's no, it's, it's, it's making it, if anything, people are Googling the name. Yeah. And I know they say, oh, no, you know, there's no such thing as bad press. Yeah, there, there is. There but is. It, there is. <laughs> but it's, um, it's what you do with it, too. Yeah. And I think you've done a phenomenal job with being strong for your, you know, fans in the way of they have, they, you know, I'm sure people, you know, they have to know the pain that it causes. But look at you for practicing what you're telling them to do. And it's hard. Yeah. And but making it better. And then at the same time, like you get stronger each time you go through um, a period of hate, I like yeah. to say. I, mean, yeah. I don't know what else to call it. It's yeah. so it's so bad. Yeah. But you get stronger. And I have always gotten a little bit more focused mm-hmm. on like what my goal is and making sure my team also is empowered to not be affected. Yeah. I think that's hard too is they see it too. Yeah. And they're and, like, and they're defensive of you yes. as their friend and their yes. boss and all of those things where they get really emotional because yes. they're, I think too, when you're on the inside of it and you're working so hard, yeah. that's why it hurts so badly mm-hmm. because you're like, I am so, that's how I felt. I'm like, mm-hmm. I am so exhausted. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a good mom for these babies and mm-hmm. a good wife for this man and yeah. be a good leader for this online yes. community. And I'm getting the crap kicked out of yeah. me. And I'm tired. Yeah. And it makes you, it really does. When I'm consuming that, mm-hmm. it makes me want to stop. I agree. And go like, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need, I don't need all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is when I can come back to myself and be reminded like, man, you have such an incredible opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And to walk away because some people don't like right. you, like, right. guess what? I'm not for everybody. Right. Neither are you. No. Like, nobody can appease everybody. Yep. And when you try, you rob yourself of the opportunity to do good mm-hmm. for the people who do love you. Yes. So, yeah. you, so you went through that time period yes. and you decided it was time to... Yeah. Go out on your own. It was time to go out on our own. And so that was when we um, launched our own online website and we left Etsy. Um, we decided that, you know what, it would I have liked to have kept a small presence there? Yes, because that was our roots, but not at the, ri- not at the, I don't know, there was too many things that I felt by staying there we were saying it was okay with how we were treated. Absolutely. And it's not. Absolutely. It is not. You should be able to grow and scale your business on the platform that you grew and have them support you yep. versus them looking at you like you're, you did something, you know, wrong. You did something yeah. wrong and yeah. not supporting you and coming out in the press as yeah. such. Yeah. So we, it, and that was a very hard transition because all of our customers were used to going to us there. Um, everything we had was there. And so making that transition to, um, the website was hard. We did had you to... have like? Do you have your customers' email addresses when you moved, um, or did you have to start all of that all over again? We had the ones who had signed up for our list, but not everybody. Not everybody. Oh, that's stressful. Yes. My gosh. So it was really like starting the business again. Yeah. Um. You know, we had the same social media, and this was when Instagram wasn't as big as Facebook. Yeah. So Facebook was our go-to. Yeah. So we were able to connect with our customers there, but again, we you know, there was a lot lost in transition. But for me, it was again, pull up your bootstraps, 
figure out what you need to do, how are you going to get in front of additional people, and let's make it happen. Yeah. And that was really, you know, again, what we did. So we started at that point then including clothing because we could. Yeah. And so, you know, and again, we would post a, similar to you, you post like a picture, oh my God, where'd you get your shirt? Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's now I can tell you. Yeah, Because totally. before I didn't want to tell you because yeah. I didn't sell it. How, yeah. I don't want to tell you, I don't want to give someone else yeah. that money. Like I know that sounds awful, but. No, hey, that's business. I'm, you know, so now that I could sell it, here's where you get, here's where you yeah. get the shirt. Here's where you get the pants. Here's where you get the shoes. And for me, that was a fire again, because I love being able to have our customer have the whole look that she yeah. wants. Like that was so fun. So I yeah. felt like it was kind of, you know, going, I don't know, doing it all over again. Yeah. And then that was about the same point where most of our debt, we were, had kind of got to the point where we had been able to settle a lot of it and lawsuits were gone. And, and I'm telling you, I mean, if anyone's ever been in any type of lawsuit, it is, it's, I can't describe the amount of, of stress that, you know, it goes through when you're losing everything and trying to, you know, have a good game face on for your kids and, you know, trying to make it to where you're telling your customer, please just buy this dress for $10. Yeah. Like I really need the money, you know, yeah. without being desperate and, yeah. um, being able to get to that point where I was like, wait, now we're going to start saving money yeah. instead of just paying stuff back was so like I love you customers even yes. more because look what you've look what you've done for me now now how can I repay that to you and that's how I feel you know with every customer is just all right let's let's get this going so launched on our own started growing the brand um, again laser focused on you know what we wanted to do and even still I have always had a I want to um get in front of our, cu our customers differently than how any other store would. And being able to really try to keep that boutique, it's me talking to you, it's, you know, Alexa talking to you, it's any of our girls from the team talking to you feel has been difficult as we've scaled, but it's so vitally important to me to have our customer who's been with us since 2011 feel that they're still connecting with us and being responded to the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, a lot of growing pains, figuring out logistics and shipping and profit margins and, you know, really learning how you can make money yes. and really paying attention to what business actually costs you. Not I'm selling a hundred dollars. I made a hundred dollars. Okay. What is your time? What is the materials? What is the packaging costs? What is that shipping label? What is the sticker that you're pr printing the shipping label on? Really evaluating what all of those costs are is one of the big things too, that allowed me to make a profit with three bird nest is I wasn't going to be in debt again like I was before, but in order to do that, I had to pay attention to every single cent. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think, especially for listeners, is don't be afraid to charge what you need to charge to make money. Right. And know what that is. That's yeah. a huge thing is what does this actually cost you? If you're you know, making a painting and you enjoy making the painting, that's great. But when you go to sell them and you have to start making them because people are ordering them, not just from the joy of it, that's gonna take you away from other things that you're doing. So what is that gonna cost you? Mm -hmm. What is the materials? And don't 
I think people always have the tendency to round down, right? Yeah. Like, oh, no, it's $5. No, it's not $5. Yeah. And, you know, really getting to an idea of what your business is costing you to run and are you charging enough? Yes. And being really honest with are you charging enough? Because if you're not, do not apologize for what you need to charge. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Because guess what? You're going to be the one that's going to be like me, $850,000 in debt. Yeah. And have fun coming back from that because it's an awful, it's an awful experience. Absolutely. So if there's a couple things, you know, for sure that, you know, I've really focused on as far as growing the business is, you know, really, really being true to who you are, who your brand is, and not feeling like you need to look like anybody else. Mm -hmm. Look like you. And if you don't know what that looks like, figure it out. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you want your representation of you to be? And what does that look like? You know, even forming a logo, I think a lot of people look out at a bunch of other people's logos. And that's fine, you know, for inspiration. But when you go to a logo designer and say, hey, this is what I want, it should be your words and your descriptions and sketches versus other images of other logos because that's what you're going to end up getting, right? It's like one that looks like somebody else. Yeah. Man, I have loved – it's so cool to get to hear the story from you because I have watched from afar forever, seriously, forever, for a decade. Um, And I think if you guys aren't already familiar, where can they go find you? Where can they go shop? I always recommend – I seriously say this all the time. Yeah. Every – anyone who's in e-commerce needs to be on your email list Yeah. because I think that you guys do email of a product Mm -hmm. better than anybody because they're simple. Yeah. It's like, here's one great mm-hmm. thing you have to have for your closet this week. Mm-hmm. Here's four beautiful photos of it. Mm-hmm. Here's the button to go buy. It's yep. so simple. And even if I don't want to shop, I will open your email. Because I'm yeah. like, oh, well, what are I the pictures? I want to yeah. see the pictures. It's right. like Instagram. Right. So um, where can they find you if they want to go shop and learn more and all that juicy so, stuff? Yeah, so we're online at threebirdnest.com. And then um, if anyone wants to follow me, I'm just Shaw Schaefer. Um, and I have like... My whole, like, I'm redoing my house right now. And Fun. yeah, we bought a ranch last year. That's right. So we're doing the whole horse thing, which has been. I was going to ask when you said yeah. how many acres you had, because that's my vision too, is I want to be like um, Jane Fonda yes. and Ted Turner when yes. they were married. They had like thousands of acres and they right. went and rode their horses every day and wore like fabulous leather jackets. Yeah. And that's just all I want for my life. Yeah. Well, so. and it's so fun, right? Yeah. yeah. I started last year. Um, I feel like I'd given up a lot during this whole business journey. And so last February, I've always loved horses and I've kind of put it off, put it off. And so last February I said, you know what, I have no time to do this, but I'm going to make time. And so I started twice a week going riding. Yeah. And then that turned into, I don't know how I got through my week without riding. Oh, how crazy. And then that turned into three days a week. And so. Did you take lessons? Like this is on my desk right now is a note that's like horseback riding. Oh, yes. Because I always do it when I go on vacation. And I live in Texas. Like there's so many horses here. So you took lessons to learn to ride. I still do. And okay. Yeah. So it's like a lifelong or like an ongoing thing. Yeah. And I think it it depends on like what you want to do. So I started showing. So I ride dressage. Oh, cool. And so I have a, a trainer and they're amazing and it's it's so crazy how much that has done for me personally Mm. in a it is my I know you run Mm -hmm. it is my head clearing space when I'm on my horse that's all I'm doing and it's a workout you know and I'm getting stronger and connecting with this animal and riding for an hour and it's so powerful and 
I've loved every second of being able to do it. So now I ride every day. That's I, well, awesome. Well, Sundays and Mondays I don't. Okay. Um, but every other day I do. I went to Holland last year and went horse shopping. So, yeah, exactly. Wow, that, that's amazing. Yeah, and that was what, you go to what? You go to Europe yeah. to go yeah. horse shopping? Yes. <laughs> like, I do now. This I, I do, who I am. yes. How um, rad. Yeah, so that's been um, a lot. And I did sell a majority interest of the company. Okay. Which allows me to have a bit more time. A yeah. bit more time. But yeah. it's great because I'm there to consult and help them with kind of, you know, branding and, yeah. you know, staying on staying on track. And so, so the next the next phase, like looking into 2020, yeah. what's, what's next for you? You know, really what I want to start doing and I've kind of naturally started is really – working with my customers and other women and very similar to what you're doing is you can do this too. Yeah. Like I've done this. Yeah. Girl, like, yes, you can do this. Yeah. And if I'm one more example to, you know, another segment of women that I can empower them, I want to do that. Yeah. And that's why it's been so funny even just being here. And I spoke at a it was so fun. I went and spoke at a, it was, they had it at a bar uh-huh. and I sat on the bar yes. and gave my, my speech and talked to everybody. And it was so, I'm like, this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. This that's is so, so fun. And you know, you, you get it. And, um, I want somebody else to hear this and I want them to take what they've learned and stop putting it off. And, I really also love working with women who are at that point in their business where they're stuck or yeah. it's failing. Yeah. And let's look at that because I, I love looking at branding and what are you doing and how can we pivot that and make it successful without costing you a lot of money. Yeah. And so that's a little bit more of kind of what I've started doing. And people are just reaching out to me kind of organically now of, Hey, can you help me with my business? Yeah. And so that's been a lot of fun. I love that. Yeah. Man, thank you so much yes. for all of the wisdom, for yeah. the blessing of this time, because I've wanted to have this conversation with you forever. And I know you said like 10 things that I know people are taking notes and got so much out of today. So thank you, thank yes, you, thank you for, for coming out to Austin and spending this time together. Oh, yeah, together. it was so fun. Um, and guys, if you love this episode, go over to Instagram, tag me, tag Alicia, put it on your feed and let us know know what you thought, what questions you have, and uh, tell people that it's a good listen if they're in retail or e-commerce or coming back Whatever. from a failure yes. or want to buy a horse in Holland. Exactly. Anything, <laughs> Anything can happen. Yes.